Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Kantori. Hello everybody. I have Alicia Brown with me. She's a victim survivor leader and a visionary. She actually gave me her introduction as leader or a visionary. I would say she is both of it. At times we all need to be inspired. Alicia Brown, the Jai Guru is the best-selling author, publisher and transformational speaker who encourages audience by igniting the fire within and helping them to take the center stage. While you're talking you mentioned many times that you are Jai Guru. What does that actually mean? <laughs> when people ask me that I really laugh. I really laugh because where it came from when I was writing that first book and and if you know me, I have a relationship with God. I, I, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. For me, there's a difference. So I do have a relationship with God. Um, part of that is the reason why I'm here today. So I say all that to say, I get a little flippant with him sometimes because he's personal to me. So I'm sitting here writing this book. Okay, well, you're telling me this is my book. You're telling me this is what you want in it. Like I said, I've written all these other parts and we could easily just put all this stuff together, but no, this is the book you want. So what do we call it? Okay, that sounds good. We're going to call it that. This is what you want. And okay, well, what do we call me? I mean, I got to go out here and be speaking this stuff since this is the book you want me to write. Yeah, I know I'm a little, little different, um, but I'm talking to him like this. And that's how you know he has love and mercy because he didn't smite me down. He's just tolerating me and let me say all this stuff. And I'm still alive to tell it. But I'm like, okay, so what do we call me since this is your little bright idea? And it came to my mind, the joy guru. I'm like... <laughs> I start laughing. I had my Sarah experience. I'm going, the joy guru? Don't you think that's just a little pompous? I mean, it's a guru. I'm no guru. What are you talking about? Years later, when I go places and people meet me that follow me on the platform, they're like, oh my God, you really are the joy guru. I'm going, I look up and go, oh, well, I guess you sort of know what you're doing. I guess that's why you're God and I'm not. And the way he explained it to me was joy is your portion for everything you've been through. Joy is your gift for what you survived. And then, you know, I, what I came to realize, I received that, but I was purposed to show people how to actually take their lives back and reclaim their joy. So as the platform evolved, as my role evolved, what it really is about is how to live your life according to your terms, because you will never have joy until you're living the life that you envision. You're living life according to your own terms and not somebody else's definition. And, you know, the more he poured into me and I lived and I recovered, I'm like, okay, it makes sense now. When before I'm looking at him, a joy, what does that even mean? That is the most ridiculous thing I've heard. I don't understand what you're doing. I'm fussing at him the whole time, but now it clicks. Now I get it. It's showing people how to live the life of their dreams. Others is showing them how to reclaim their joy because what a lot of people don't realize, especially in our circles, Happiness and joy are different. Yes. And a lot of people say they want to be happy. I want to be joyful because if I'm happy, I can hear a song. I can eat a good meal. I can drink something. You know, we know what happy is, but that's predicated on something. You know, I can be happy with a man and then we get a divorce. Now I feel like my happy has gone, but joy is a permanent state 
that is not dependent on a certain time period or a certain situation. I can be going through and still have joy. Um, and you know, the Bible tells us to count it all joy. It didn't say count it all happy. So the thing is, we want to have that permanent state of joy that's not predicated on current circumstances to be able to see that light at the end of the rainbow, to see the positivity in everything. But when you're going through, when you're on the ledge of life, when you're suffering, well, you know what? Let's try to get to happy. And that's why the first book was titled Sometimes All You Have Is Happy because we gotta at least get you there, have some happiness in your life before we can work on the loftier goal of joy. So it's different. Happy and joy are two different things. Sometimes we need to get you to happy just so you can continue to live and survive in this moment. But once we get you there, let's move on to joy. Let's look at the bigger picture where I can go through the storm and be okay because it's not about the storm. It's about the big picture. It's about the whole journey, not just this one bad moment or this one triggered moment or this one setback. Is knowing that I have the ability to overcome it. It's, it's knowing that I have the ability to thrive, although I might be in a less than ideal situation, like a pandemic. <laughs> I mean, we're all having some experiences and effects, but the point is some of us are thriving in the pandemic and we might be in the same situation, but it's our mindset, it's our actions, it's our resilience, it's our determination that I'm not going to let this circumstance, I've been here before. And I wrote an article, I told people, I said, you know, in the beginning, I was all crazy about this pandemic. I'm scared. I'm just like the police with my family. You make sure you sanitize that. And when you go out and you don't go there unless you have to, and you wear your mask and you stay sick. And I'm just like commando and don't go out the house. You're going out too much. And I just said, whoa, hold on lady, hold on. Your whole life you've been prepared for a pandemic. I'm going, what? It's like your whole life was a war zone. So you're you're really flipping out about a pandemic? Don't mean I shouldn't take precautions, but it's like, hello, all the things that people are freaking out about a pandemic and what it can do, that was your whole life in trauma. So actually you're more equipped to handle a pandemic than your average person. Your whole life was a war zone. I was like, I never looked at it that way. But it's like, again, the power of how we think. I mean, if you want to be freak out and obsessed and, oh, my life is going to end and eh, 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 you can do that. Or you can really look at things and be like, whoa, wait a minute. What have you survived? What have you went through that you thought was going to take you out and you're still here? And now you don't even think about, you forget about. You're awesome. You are that warrior. You are that one that survived, you know, huge challenges, less than ideal situations, stuff that other people just would have crumbled and you're still here, I think you can handle a pandemic. I think you're going to be okay. The, the evidence shows you'll be all right. You'll still be here. So just calm down, chill out, take precautions, but make sure you're in the moment. Make sure you love your family. Make sure the different experiences and opportunities you get, you're really extra thankful because you're realizing how precious time is and that it could always be worse. Always. Let's say, for example, if I'm actually coming to you for help, apart from your publishing company, what kind of a help that you are, I mean, your title, Jai Guru, what kind yeah. of help that you provide are like, if you are giving me an advice to start somewhere, what is that first thing that you wanted me to do? Mm -hmm. Well, I tell people I'm not a clinical therapist. 
So I don't have a joy guru program where I'm sitting here walking you through the five steps of whatever, whatever, and whatever. But um, if you're coming to me as Alicia Brown, the joy guru, pretty much for who I am, um, I am a small business consultant as well as a publisher. Um, outside of that, we have the Joy Guru platform where we're always posting regular motivations. We're always posting different messages of encouragement and peace because really with um, speaking in that platform, my thing was there's so much negativity in the world that I think it's important if you're going to use a space for anything, you're going to offer positivity. So whether it's humor on that platform um, the books themselves do have the encouragement and the steps and things like that. Um, occasionally at different times, I will have a program. Um, one of the ones was the reignite your flame. Mm. That's typically a, um, it was a 21 day and there's a 30 day part for people to walk through different steps in order to reignite their flame, to reignite their joy. Uh, but primarily those are the things that are insistent because I feel that sometimes, you know, it, it's shown statistically that one of the first things Americans do, they pick up that phone. They get up in the morning before they pray. Sometimes before you kiss your spouse, you check in that Facebook, you're checking IG. And we just felt like from the platform, you're going to check something, come to my uh, Joy Guru platform because we're going to have inspirational messages. We're going to have different things um, on the blog. We're going to have things that guide you to that transformative thoughts. Of course, there's things that make you laugh. Um, I laugh when people look at some of my videos, live videos where I'm, I'm talking about lashes and they're just like, what? Yeah, I'm about to do a presentation, but honey, these lashes. <laughs> Make sure I got these lashes. Or hey, knowing me, I'm a whole hour early because I just messed up the time zone. And it's just that moment for someone to laugh and just, you know. And then there's some serious moments where I'm, I'm on there, I'm encouraging people. But just to give people a different way to think about things, sometimes just to give you a laugh or just, you know, sometimes you'll see some pictures of my cat who is the ultimate diva. And I'm just like, you know, I don't have children, but this is why, because God has given me what my daughter would be in, in this cat. And that's more than enough. My nerves are shot. My mother is officially again, a grandmother. And, you know, God has a sense of humor because this cat's going to drive me crazy and give me gray hair. And that's as close to childhood, having a child as I'm going to be. And this is enough because I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. But it's like for all the fur lovers of the world or other women who don't have children, this is a joke on you. Be thankful because you may get a pet that acts like a child and I can't throw the pet out the window, just like you can't throw your kid out the window. So if you, you're feeling like I'm single, I don't have children, go get a cat. And if you get the diva that I have, you'll be grateful that you don't because one is enough. I'm just saying. Sometimes we just need a laugh. We need a laugh. We need a laugh. And my cat, I always say she should have a reality show. She's driving her mother crazy. And the things I'm sharing, if I don't show you, you won't believe me because she acts like a little person. She's trying to speak. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Throw the whole cat away. My nerves are shot. So all of those talking about not having children, I've been cursed or I've been blessed. I don't know. But the cat is not normal. And she was a rescue kitty. So, you know, it's different things like that. Highlights of my life, different transformative thoughts different, you know, victories and, and inspirations for those that are business owners, constantly on the Joy Guru platform. So you can go get those. If you're a social media person, you can get them on a regular basis. You can get the books. Um, I do want to say one thing. Um, part of a uh, anthology project called Soulful Affirmations, you'll also find that on my um, platform, 
is 365 days of inspiration. And I have five of those days. And I in particular chose the five affirmations and transformative thoughts that saved my life. So that's there. I'm always about, because I shared that story early of how it was stories that saved my life and kept me going. I'm always about the spoken word in literature. Mm-hmm. How are we grabbing people's attention? Because again, people are looking for just something to hold on to in that moment, something to validate why they should still be here. So sometimes it's a word that you share that just makes a difference. Maybe they didn't look at it that way. Maybe it's just a glimmer of hope or some positivity versus something negative they could pick up. So I'm always in some form, print, media, some form gonna offer you that joy and positivity because it's easier to focus on the negative things then we need to make more of an effort to bring out the positivity and joyful things and push people to focus on that than all this other crazy stuff. We don't need to look for crazy stuff. There's enough of it in the world. We need to turn to something joyful and positivity, but not just the cheerleader messages. I, I just, ah, sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, it's another empowerment conference. God knows we need that. Can I just go to a football game with cheerleaders and pom-poms if that's all I wanted? And it's like, how are you empowering people? And after you come off the stage, you're a mean person. That doesn't encourage me. So you're you're happy for 20 minutes and then you're a snob when people try to connect to you off the stage. That's horrible. But a lot of times that's the world of empowerment. Isn't it lovely? <laughs> There's plenty of stuff to laugh at in life. Choose those things. <laughs> Coming to your publication uh, services that you are providing. Let's just say if I wanted to write a book right now, and I just come to you and say like, okay, I wanted to write something. Mm-hmm. How do you start Or Like what are the process that you guide through and mm-hmm. where you end? Um, one of the things, and also a laughing moment to me. The, re- the reason that I wanted to ask that question is like, I have been contacted by people who said like, if I just speak, they'll write it for me. Or like right. some people are, uh, you write, we'll, uh, you write a draft version, we'll correct it and we'll do it. So I, I don't know what these kind of like integrations that they have are like, how much of me getting involved into writing my own book is needed. So I just yeah. want to really like, yeah, understand that. We offer, I say we're a full publishing house. So it's everything from, I have the book done, I need editing and publication, to I need consulting for how to do it to people that say, look, I got a story. I don't have the time. Can you ghostwrite? I've, I've been a ghostwriter. So we offer all of that in the gamut in between. But one of the things about fruition publishing, because the mission is to help you bring your writing dreams from vision to fruition, is that I'm going to look more than your book. Because what people don't understand, you can write the book, but it's a message. And what's more important is to, when you want to get that book in people's hands, when you want to sell it, The vision has to be a little bit more than you're writing a book. So I really look into what is that for you? What's your why? What do you hope to achieve? Um, Because what I found is there are a lot of these, what I call ripoff companies or vanity publishers, where if you pay me, we'll publish it. I don't care. You know, here you go. And here's your book. Okay. Well, if all I have is a book that can collect dust on a bookshelf and the people I said I was writing it for never get it. Or I'm like with a box of books trying to shovel them out of my 
uh, car trunk. Yep. That's such a disservice because you wrote for some reason, whether it was you wanted to build your career and this was a professional piece or you are that abuse survivor and you're writing a self-help book. There's some reason behind your writing that. So let's get behind your reason so we can offer you the best resources and what you need to go beyond just the book because books are low hanging fruits. It's the platform that not only can you monetize and be wealthy, but where you really get the exposure you need for what your why is and your mission is. So we're not just interested in, you know, helping you to write a book or helping you to publish a book. We're interested in the overall goal. That's why a lot of our clients, you know, they're on nonprofit boards or have nonprofits. They're global speakers. You know, they're doing God knows what in addition to having the business of the book, because I'll say this, a lot of people don't understand if you are a published author, congratulations, you're a business owner. And they don't know that. So there's all type of, you know, tax advantages you should be getting. There's all type of things out there for you. The pandemic proved that, that if that, that, that business isn't positioned properly and legally registered, you're losing out on. And the worst thing I see is authors who have invested in this book and there's no return on investments. And as you know, I understand from a financial perspective why that's horrible, but to me, the horrible part of it is the people that need your message, not enough of them are getting it. Yep. And that's a tragedy because media right now, they're suffering. They want stories. Daytime talk shows, they want people like you to be a guest. But if there's not someone with a relationship with these people or there's someone not guiding you and making the introduction for you to be there, how will you be there? So that's one thing that Fruition Publishing focuses on, not just editing your book or helping you write the book or, or whatever to, to market the book, but what's the why? What's the overall arching goal? So we can get you to exposed to the media. So we can get you starting those philanthropic um, organizations or connected to them so you can do what it is that's really your mission and just position the book well to do that. So once you understand that why, you are going to help the person from end to end. Yes, because publishing, and this is another thing about the industry that drives me crazy, publishing is supposed to be a collaborative effort. It's not supposed to be, oh, I just give you my manuscript and pay my money um, if it's like a hybrid publisher and I have no say so. And then I get a book and bye-bye, and do what you want. No, this is your partner. So this person is supposed to be walking you through, educating you. I'm not saying they have to tell you every step of what they're doing, because if you wanted to know that, you would be a publisher. But I'm saying, especially for a lot of the people that come to me, these people are talking about trauma. It is hard for them, first of all, to even build the courage to come to me to publish a book. But then as they're walking through and I'm asking them details and they're trying to write details, I've had grown women come into my office and I ask one question. And it's a simple question. It's not a whole, you know, complicated thing. And they just burst in tears. I had one woman that cried for 30 minutes straight. I mean, she would try to tell something and then she started pacing and she's crying. If you're with the wrong publisher, they really don't care. It's like, okay, can she go on already? Can we get back to here? And I got stuff to do. No, because it's not just about a book. So you have to make sure I say like with a therapist, it's the right person for you. They understand your vision. They care about you, not just producing another thing and buy. They care about your story and they're really helping you position it. They're helping you craft it. They're helping you see, like, you know, I have some people that I'm just like, this would be great for kids. 
Have you thought about taking this concept and creating a course and, and getting into the school system and some of these summer school programs? And they're like, no, I didn't, I didn't think about that. I don't even know how to do that. Well, let's work on this. I have one person now who has a comic book series. And our thing was, no, we need to have an animated video with your comic book series. Because now, especially in the pandemic, there's a lot of children with disabilities who are home. And if, if children are getting left behind in education, then you know a child with disability is really getting left behind with education. So let's have a visual component because these children learn best by auditory as well as visual means. You bring that comic book to life for them and then they have the tangible book in their hands. That's a double whammy. But then on this side, let's incorporate this in this nonprofit program. So now even more children have this experience. And for that author, it gives you credibility. So when we're pitching you to the media, we're not pitching a comic book. The comic book author herself is amazing, has amazing credentials. But when you heighten that with this is a special program for children with disabilities and auditory visual learning, learn best by that. And here we have this philanthropic grant funded program that this is a part of that just took you as an author and a speaker and whatever your professional leadership is to a whole nother level. So those are the visions we create where somebody else just wants to publish your comic book and they're gone. Yep. And you may reap benefits, you may not. You may get your return on investment, you may not. We want to either work with the celebrity or we want to make you one by the time you're finished. And you should have that. If you're going to pour your heart and soul into this, you should be able to extrapolate the most worth from it, the most value from it. Because let's be honest, for some of us that are writing self-help and we're writing on some of these deep topics, this is not easy. It's not easy when we write it. It's not easy when we go speak about it. It's not easy when we're on that stage. So you should be able to monetize your expertise. You should be able to get on the largest stages as possible. If I'm going to do it, please do it full out. Because it, it, it took something beyond just the investment to really do this. So we have to make sure that you are where the people you want to talk to need you. Yep. Because what you're writing and offering them is not cute words, it's transformative. Even if it's a child illustrated book, do you know how many times as a child that book took me to another place to escape the abuse I had? It was my breath for that moment. So you don't have to write about abuse. It just may be this funny story that you have that teaches children or it enlightens them or it makes them laugh. For that child going through abuse, that's everything, everything. So yes, the power of your words and making sure that you are positioning yourself well enough to realize that power and make a difference in the lives of those that book was written for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. As I mentioned, like the reason I wanted to ask is like, I have been reached out by uh, marketing people separately. Uh, the publisher, it's not publisher. I mean, they say like, yeah, they are, uh, they are going to help you to write your book and things like mm -hmm. that. I, if you are writing my book or like helping me to write the book, what am I going to do after writing it? Where right. should, I mean, what is the next step? I don't even have an idea. Then the other person will plug in or like these guys were like, oh, these people are really good with the next step. So go, go there and then how many people am I going to go in that chain to understand where right. I land in the first place? And one of the things that we specialize in for which in publishing is the legal side, because unfortunately, We've dealt with a lot of clients who they did go to one of those places and they didn't get what they wanted. 
or they didn't understand how to read contracts. They just thought what they were signing, that's typical. They signed all their rights away. So, and, and you know, people, it's not just somebody that's on television. Because remember, when you see somebody on TV with a commercial, it just meant they had a marketing budget to put on television. It doesn't mean they're the most credible. So you have some of the biggest companies out here, and everybody's going to them, blah, blah, blah. Well, what happens when they go into bankruptcy? Yep. And you can't get your legal rights back. And you now understand what the clause of the contract was. You're just trusting them because they're one of those big names. And I tell people, well, you know, the secret is some of those top publishing companies, they hire the little guys like us to do the work, but they just charge you three times as much for that. We get a cut and then they profit the rest. They're not even doing the work for you. They're going to a smaller company. So it's like, you know, we're, in addition to everything I already said, we're also very committed to you understanding the legal side of it because this is a business. This is, there's some legal things you need to know. And we've already proven with some people, when we took over certain things for them and it was multiple authors involved, we started with new contracts. And we've had people later on, because you know, when it's multiple people, people get in your ear where, you know, you should be getting this. And my cousin down the street got that. And then everybody's sue happy today. So I'm gonna sue you. Okay, you can't stop someone from suing you, but you can make sure if your paperwork's correct, I have a legal leg to stand on and in court, the, the judge will say, did you sign this? Well, this clearly said, well, again, you signed this, this is communication, you don't have a legal ground to stand on. But I tell people one form, one contract that you didn't get signed can make you lose everything because your book is intellectual property. And people don't realize that it's intellectual property. So if you come to us as fruition publishing saying, oh, I, I want to submit this manuscript for whatever, and I'll let you know. First thing I need you to do is sign a non-disclosure agreement. A what? That protects your work. And I'll tell them whether you hire us or not, the next time you want to submit your manuscript to anyone, ask for a non-disclosure agreement. Do not share your intellectual property with anyone. If you ask for a non-disclosure agreement, they don't offer it, but you ask for it and they're sort of looking at you like, uh, don't, don't do business with them. Because a lot of people have money, but they don't have ideas. Yep. And you submit your best work, they steal your work. And that's thing you know, it's published under some other name and you're like, wait a minute. Um, that sounds like my stuff. Yeah. Or worse, as I, I've experienced with some of our clients, the, whoever they had before took their idea and repurposed it with another client. Or they published them. And if you go back, there's someone else with that same book cover. They just changed the words around. So they didn't give you anything original. They just took what they used before and changed two words, put your name on it, changed the illustrations a little bit. And you're thinking, oh my God, this is a great idea. No, it's not. They stole it from previous clients. And if you pay attention to the previous clients, they're not doing anything with it now. So it's like, you know, just like anything else in business, there's a lot of frauds out there. There's a lot of people that don't have your best interests at heart. At heart, a lot of us that come from abusive environments, we're already vulnerable. We're, we're just so happy to, you know, be writing a book and get it out there. But if you're not careful, someone is taking advantage of you. You don't know what you don't know, but people have the best disguises, they look the most professional, they say all the right words, and they're robbing you blind. And for me, I can't think of anything more traumatizing, which is why I decided to just offer full publishing, than for one of my survivors to get the courage to write a book and have someone take advantage of them. How does that knock them back from not ever sharing the story again because they tried? 
and someone took advantage of them and they're left again feeling stupid, feeling worthless, feeling like, oh, see, people told me I'm, you know, dumb and I'm so gullible and see this proves I tried to do something and now blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, no, no, no. I have a heart for this. I know the information. I've been doing it. Let's just offer full publishing services so we know that we've taken care of all that for you. We've communicated to you. We've educated you. And you're able to fulfill the purpose that you're designed for. You mentioned that you are a spoken word artist, right? Some would say. <laughs> to me, I'm just talking and living my purpose. Okay. Mind you that I was always told that I talk too much. So I'm like, ha, 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 I get paid to talk. Not talking too much now, is it? <laughs> can you can you one more time talk? I mean, do you have any poem or anything that you wanted to end this call with? Yes. Do you have audience with that thought process or anything that you wanted to really share? Yes. You know, I tell people, one of my platform mantras is, it's never too late to edit your life. Because what I looked at was as a you know former editor, think about when you were in school and that teacher had that red pen and you were so happy you gave your report or whatever and they gave it back to you in that grade and read, it was a sea of red. And you're like, what in the world? And then I thought about it. I said, well, you know, when people give me the manuscript, Editors don't think anything about marking it up and fixing it and it's this way and we need to do this. Ghostwriters don't think about that. And then we just give it back to you and you accept it. Okay, that's normal for a book or a school or a report. But why do we not look at life like that? Because mm -hmm. one of you send your book to an editor, that meant you asked for help. But all of a sudden, when it comes to problems in life, you're not supposed to ask for help. You're supposed to do it all yourself. Huh? So the paper's worth more than you. Oh, okay, got it. And then when we have to pivot, when, when there's difficulty and challenges, just like that red mark. Well, they gave you the red mark because they were trying to tell you the errors so you could fix it. But in life, when we see the challenges and errors, we flip out. And then we start doubting where they're fixable. Will I ever get over this? So again, editing in the paper and the book, we accept that. But in life, we don't. So what if we started a new way of thinking, a new narrative, where it's not too late for me to edit my life? If I really believe that starting today, anything in my life I don't like, I have the power to change it. Anything in my life that I think is a failure or mistake really was a learning lesson. So now I identify that don't work, no not to do it again. No, I have tested that if I eat donuts every day, not gonna lose weight and I'm gonna gain it. So what do I know? Well, I know if I eat donuts every day and I say I wanna lose weight, I'm not gonna lose weight. So now I know, I may not know everything I need to do to lose weight, but I know I need to stop eating donuts every day. And once I stop and we still have a problem, well, let's look at what else we're doing. It's never too late to edit your life. And I always believe him that knows the power, him or she, that knows the power of the pen, it's the one that has the ability to change your life. I know that from being a writer. I know that from being a grant writer. If you have the power of the pen, you have the deciding factor. You are in control of your life. Things can happen to you, but you control the narrative. You're the one in the power seat to change things. So once you realize you're not a passenger, but you are the driver and you believe you have the power to change it, now you're in the sea of power and you can change it. 
So some of us just need to know, give yourself permission to be great. That's another mantra I tell people. What do you mean permission? Because some of you are living below because other people may have given you permission. You're the one holding yourself back. It's not other people, it's you. You don't believe, you don't give yourself permission. So you live here. If you knew you had the power to change your life, if you believed it, you would do it. So if you're not doing it, it means you don't believe it. So now we need to work on those things. But once you realize it's never too late, I don't care if you're 89 years old and this was the dream, it's not too late. Not if you deem it not to be too late, you can make small changes that are gonna lead to the big result that you want. If you believe that and you're willing to work for it, you truly can have anything in life you want. But if you don't believe it, you won't receive it. I don't care how many affirmations I give you. I don't care how many cheery messages, positive thoughts. Until you believe in your heart, it will never happen because you won't work towards it. And you don't get for in life what you deserve. You get in life what you demand and what you work for. So some of us need to come to a level where we start demanding things from life by first demanding things from ourselves, take the limits off and go work for it. And I guarantee you, if you start believing a different narrative, that you are worthy, that you are able, that you are capable, that you truly have, because that's what we were born with, no matter what happens to you, you truly possess everything on the inside of you for what you need in this life. You It's already there. Some things have to be activated. Some things have to be re-energized like a muscle. Some things you need to work a little bit more, but you have everything on the inside you ever needed for what you need in life and to rise to a new level of greatness. If you're willing to believe that, and then you're going to back up your belief with actions, you can truly have anything you want. And I'll end with this. I used to say things, you know, that's hard. You know, I, I okay, maybe I believe I can do it, but that's hard. And I had a business mentor with me say, you know, Alicia, everything in life is hard. If you think about it, being poor is hard. Being rich is hard. Being successful is hard. Not being successful is hard. Choose your heart. How do you want to live? Okay, so if everything is hard, choose which heart matches where you want to go. Well, if you put it to me like that, oh no. Well, if everything's hard, I'd rather be over here than over here. Choose your heart and go after it. Yep. Never too late to edit your life. Never. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a beautiful message. When you are explaining this, I got one more question. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen you promoting a lot of other people that you work with are like your friends or I don't even know who they are but I always see that you promote other people or like you are giving your support to them you give your hand to pull them up to your yeah. or anything you are actually sharing your stage your position with all these people yeah. why that with the people that we see in today's world usually like if one person is climbing onto the top they don't want to really pull the other people up. They wanted to stand alone at the top. They mm -hmm. wanted to be seen there. They wanted to be praised. Oh, they, they are there, they are there. But when I see people like you, why is that thought like that you wanted to pull other people with you to the stage where you are? I'm not going to get emotional. I say because, and I think this started a few years ago when I turned 40. Mm -hmm. You realize the shortness of life. You get over those selfish years, you know, 
where you, you think you're invincible, you're still invincible, but a different thing. You have wisdom, so, so to speak. And you realize that a great chunk of life is over. Now, you're not saying, oh, I'm almost dead. No, you're going to live long. You're going to take care of yourself. But you realize if you're, if you're blessed enough to realize, one day I need to pass the baton. Yep. And I don't have children, but I believe that God gave me a great portion of the world as my children. In nonprofit programs, I work with children. I focus on children. I write grants for programs for children. And what I realize is that at this stage, it's important for me to build and leave a legacy. So I'm looking at that younger person. I'm also looking at the person that may be older than me, that's my client or who God has appointed me to serve and understand that one of my mentors says we are to lift others as we climb. I believe that. And other people have said, you know, you need to make sure as you move it forward that you reach back and pull people along with you. I believe that. But what I also believe is, you know, when they say I'm my sister's keeper, no, I'm not my sister's keeper or my brother's keeper. I am my sister or my brother. Because if I equate myself with you versus being higher than you, then it's easy for me to reach over and lift you, pull you with me as I climb, not reaching back like you're lower than me. And that's a problem we see in this world. So I feel like it is your obligation to thrive. It's your obligation as a human being to be successful because one day, and it's not when you get old and great, it's even now in certain steps and certain things you're sharing, you need to pass the baton. You need to open the door so someone else can walk through it. It's not for you. Now you get the benefits of it while you're doing it, but one day we're gonna be gone. And for the next generations, for the ones that remain, what did you do to make their life easier? When you survived your struggles, who did you go and tell? Who did you provide resources to? Who did you share your story with to strengthen and encourage? So when you're gone, there's a record of not only your worth, but there are people to testify of how you changed their lives. And if you believe in that and that's what you work towards, then your life fulfilled its purpose and meaning. If not, then you really did a great tragedy, a great travesty to this world because you didn't give anything. You didn't make any headway for other people. Everything was consumed by you. We're not made to be consumers. We're made to be producers. So I believe it is your obligation to not only succeed, but it's your obligation so that you can open doors for the next generation or the next person and leave things better than how you received it. It makes no sense to go through all we've been through to not pay it forward. If not, then we went through everything for nothing. I am determined that as much as I can to whoever God assigns to me, that I am going to help my next sister or my next brother thrive. Whatever way that is, it doesn't always have to be business, but I'm determined to deposit something in you in our interaction in, in what we say, if it's nothing but a smile, that smile might've been what you needed in that moment to, to just push you forward. I know what it's like to have the frown. I know what it's like when I looked up as a child and someone smiled at me and that made me happy in that moment while I was going through. So I feel like we have to do that. To not, to think it's all about you, you know, 
when you're 20, okay, you only have one time to be young and dumb. So, you know, you, you don't have wisdom yet. You know, you're a little bit of a hothead or you're a little arrogant because you think you know everything. Okay, that's cool. You're 20. But when you get further along in life, I say, you know, by mid thirties, you know, if you're married and got kids or if you're not, and you just live some life, had some experience now, time to move forward to wisdom to understand you're not going to be here always. And God didn't make you to just be selfish and everything about you. Where are you leaving behind? If you take your last breath today, who remembers you? What have you done that's on record to leave a record of why your life even mattered? I mean, we look at the stories of people that if somebody didn't record it, we wouldn't know them. We wouldn't know why their life matters. But I call that record the Bible. How many people around the world in all different languages are getting inspiration from the Bible? If someone didn't take the time to record their life experiences, we wouldn't know they existed and we wouldn't be able to get the value out of their life. So it's important, lift others as you uh, climb. Remember to reach out and help other people and then remember to connect and resonate with them. Be, if you call that your brothers or your sister's keeper, great. I call it, I'd rather you realize you are your brother and sister. You bleed like they bleed. You have life experiences similar. So that should make you want to have empathy and compassion because you understand certain things. And once you find things that are relative and you see you know, them as a human being, I think that's what makes humanity. When we see people that can't relate to one another and put themselves above, that's where we see all the terrible things in the world that we see. So it, you know, for me, People have other hearts, but I think if you have the heart of God, you just believe in sharing. You just believe in caring. You believe in sharing the stage because the stage isn't just meant for one person. It's meant for us more than enough for everybody. So why can't you help that person, especially those that invest in you? You know, that's where I find my, my most strength because I say, you know, from the business terms, okay, they're a client, but how many of my quote unquote clients become like family? So if there's no dime in it for me, I'm cheering you on because my whole thing is to see you succeed. I don't have to have a hand in every part of your success, but if I'm blessed to just impart a word to you or, or wisdom that helps you be successful, why would I not be excited about that and seeing you continue to rise and soar? We need to be encouraged by those things, not tearing each other down or seeing you fall and see, I told you they couldn't do that, or I'm better than them at that. Let me sell them a program. Don't, don't do that. Don't take that bitter spirit. Be the light that the world needs at times like this. Absolutely. What is success in your words? Mm. Success. Success to me is one living a life that I'm proud of. Um, feeling like I'm doing good things that make a difference in people's lives doesn't necessarily have to be thousands of people, but to look at people and know someone's life is made better from what you're doing. Um, and to me, to be happy, joyful, healthy, um, to never stop, to never quit. Um, that doesn't mean you're the energizer bunny, but it means that you don't give up on things permanently. Sometimes you need to take a pause. You know, because I've done the opposite where I'm just doing everything. And sometimes I need to recalibrate and go, wait, wait, you're overcommitted. Is this the mission? Okay, then that's a good thing. Okay, well, we need to make sure that you're doing only a certain percentage of good things with your time and you're doing things to focus on the mission. Because some of us are, are in the busy work, 
but you've aborted the mission. So let's make sure we recalibrate and we're focused on the mission. We're fulfilling the mission and taking steps to. But I feel like if I am able to improve the lives of those people that I feel like are my audience, if I'm able to, through transparency, actually help heal others, um, then to me, that's success. You know, things that people talk about finances, I think if you're working in your expertise and your genius zone, what money you need will be there. You know, God's pretty good where, you know, for some of us, you can even have more than that portion. But I think, you know, for me, it is part financial too, because for my mission, for what I'm centered on, I believe until I am at a certain level of finances that I can't truly give and bless the way I want to. And the truth is, there's a lot of wealth in America, but it's only a small percentage of people that will get that. And minorities, including women, are normally not very high in those percentage. I'll give you this statistic. Only 2% of women business owners will ever meet a million dollar mark. I think that's horrible because we're already unfairly paid compared to men. But then you mean to tell me that in our own businesses with our names on it, we make less money there too? And if you say 2% are women, that's all women. So if you add a minority on there as well, what are our percentages looking like? So as a black woman, I feel it's my obligation to be a millionaire. Why? Because women give more than men do. When women are financially prosperous, we are some of the biggest givers compared to men. So as a nonprofit board member, um, as a for-profit, uh, you know, of course, business person, how much more can I do in the community with greater levels of financial wealth and access? And for me, that's what I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with, I love helping and structuring things and playing my part that way. But I look forward to that day that I can just write out a five, six figure check for whatever this need is in the community and then be able to get those influencers as well to write those checks and develop this new wing at the hospital or build this new community center for the kids or have this transitional home for those that are homeless. So I believe even in that with success, a certain level of finances, and I'm working on it um, for that because it does take money. And a lot of our world suffers because they don't have it. They don't have enough. And is the ones that have it, it's appropriate in all the wrong areas. There's too much selfishness instead of giving people what they really need and have it fairly distributed for the people that really are in need to no fault of their own. What are your nonprofits? You, you have been mentioning that I did not ask that before. So what ah. are your nonprofits? Yes, I am the vice president um, and programming director for the nonprofit called Crusading Outreach Ministry, which now we're coming up on 29 years. And I was actually invited to be a board member and write my youth programs um, with them because I met the director through my book publishing company. Isn't that ironic? But it's not ironic because as you're fulfilling your purpose, that's when what is for you will meet you and will take you and completely open doors for you that you never envisioned, but only because you are working in the fields, you are walking in your purpose, and this is where opportunities and different levels of greatness can help you. So we help um, disadvantaged youth, seniors, as well as adults, um, things like um, dealing with the homeless, um, offering food, pantry, supplies, clothing, um, and I lead for our youth 
empowerment, entrepreneurship, and advocacy programs. Because again, being a child that came from a family that um, financially um, was lacking, we, we were your typical American family, blue collar father worked hard um, for the first eight years of my life. Um, my mother was a stay at home mom, but she did eventually take a part time job. Um, we had enough, but you know, we, we were definitely lower, uh, they would call at that time lower middle class, but we were, you know, impoverished at times, just hardworking people, but, you know, finite means. And to add that to abuse, not a good combination. So there's a lot of children who don't have food and then they're growing up in very abusive homes and they're exposed to stuff they never should be exposed to. So if we can help you with food sustenance, if we can help you with clothing, and then if we can help you with your mind and encourage them and show these young people how you are in control, you can have dreams too. There's a way for you to have education. There's a way for you to be an entrepreneur. Even right now, you know, one of my youngest clients was seven years old. So your dreams don't have to stop because you're not old enough. There's all type of children and they're not rich. They're just like you where they started where you're at that have built these, these um, businesses and very successful. Sometimes we just need someone to show us to be the example. We don't know that. And that's not what we see in front of us. So they need something different. So that gives me, that gives me joy. I love that. I, I love that as much as I love being a business owner. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.